It's great to see you this weekend. Man, you guys are looking awesome this weekend, and uh, we're honored you're here. You're back after Easter weekend. Give yourself a hand clap for that. It's amazing. Two weeks. It's incredible. You know, a lot of people don't show up the week after Easter, so you are the special people, and I just wanna, want you to know that today, and you're pretty incredible. Um, you know, I've been thinking a lot this week about a word that could really encourage us after the Easter celebration, and I hope you came today to be encouraged. Did you come today to be encouraged, huh? Yeah. You know, the Bible says that we should encourage one another not discourage one another. And so I want to encourage you today, and that's what we uh, we hope to do every single weekend you come here because I know you get a lot of discouragement that comes at you throughout the week and uh, throughout the month, you know, wherever you go in life. And, And so we really hope to take God's word today and encourage you in a powerful, powerful way. If you brought your Bibles with you, I'm going to read um, one of the accounts uh, today, one of the stories out of God's word from Luke chapter 24. So you can go ahead and open up there. Luke chapter 24, uh, verses 13 through uh, 33. So uh, go ahead and get your Bibles open. And while you're doing that, I just kind of want to talk a little bit about next weekend. At 6 p.m. next weekend, Sunday night down at the end of Main Street on the beach, we're going to be doing our first 2016 a beach baptism at 6 p.m. If you'd like to be baptized, okay, in other words, announce to the world that you've died to your old self and been risen and made anew in Christ Jesus, we're going to be able to do that for you at 6 p.m. next Sunday night down at the end of Main Street. And there'll be a ton of people down there. We set up the beach. Our community is so gracious to let us use the, the beaches down there. And it's just an awesome experience. We have an incredible celebration. So I invite you to sign up for that today before you leave at one of the tents, the one of the new black tents out front, maybe the information tent. That would be a good place to go. There's three of them out there. You guys like those new tents? I do. I do. We hope to get some more pretty soon. Um, you know, I just, I love directional things to help people take uh, steps on their journey. But you can sign up for baptisms over there at those black tents uh, today before you leave. And we would have all the things you need uh, for you to come to that. Uh, we, we have some shirts and some bags and some information and all those kind of things. Not at the tent today, but we'll have them next week uh, for you. And it'll be an incredible, incredible time. So, um Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 33. We're going to title today's message, Let Your Jesus Disappear. Let Your Jesus Disappear. Luke 24, the Bible says this, that same day, what same day? The same day that Jesus resurrected from the grave. They had already been women that had found the grave empty. Uh, a couple of Jesus's followers, students, Peter and John saw the grave was empty. And a couple of angels had talked to some of the ladies. And that same day, the Bible says two of Jesus's followers were walking to the village of Emmaus. It was seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself 
suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. But God kept them from recognizing him. I thought God wanted us to know who Jesus was. But the Bible says God kept them from recognizing him. The reason I say that so many times, if you have your Bibles open, you may want to circle that phrase. The Bible goes on to say this. He asked them, this is Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. What are you discussing so intently as you walk along? Bible says they stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Sadness. And then one of them, Cleopas, oh Cleo, come on. Cleopas replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. What things, the resurrected Jesus asked? The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. Man, he was a prophet. He was the one that could predict things about God, who did powerful miracles. In other words, we, we saw him heal people physically, open the eyes of the blind, heal the lame, and raise Lazarus from the dead. He did some incredible miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and the Bible says they, they crucified him. Pay close attention. We had hoped, we had hoped the Messiah who had come, the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened, they said, three days ago. Look at your neighbor before we continue reading here and tell them, get your hopes up. Tell them to get get their hopes up. Get your hopes up. And then they go on and say, Some of the women of our group of his followers at the tomb early this morning, uh, they came back with this amazing report. They said his body was missing and they had seen angels who who told them Jesus was alive. Some of the men ran out to see and sure enough, his body was gone just as the women had said. And then Jesus said to them, not you wise people, but you foolish people. He says, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all the things before entering into his glory? And then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning him. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus at the end of their journey, and Jesus acted as if he were going on. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them. 
As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and he blessed it. And then, then he broke it and gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. At this moment, at this very moment, he disappeared. He disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us? as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us. And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. And I pray today somebody here will get their hopes up. That the Jesus that is in their head will begin to disappear and the Jesus of the scripture will begin to appear. God, that you will do an amazing, amazing things in the works of people's heart today. And God, you will begin to change our life. We pray it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Jesus may need to disappear in your life today simply because of this. Maybe you have made Jesus the cultural Jesus instead of the scriptural Jesus. And I do believe that Jesus disappears in this passage. It was simply so their mind could be renewed. So their mind could be renewed. And a lot of times we need to let the Jesus of culture go so our mind can be renewed. And we need to get our our hopes up. Let's go back to the passage and look. The Bible says in Luke chapter 24, verse 16, God kept them from recognizing him. Why in the world would God keep anybody from recognizing Jesus? Because if Jesus is the Savior of the world and he is the rescuer and he is the one that can uh, begin to give us eternal life, why would God keep anybody from recognizing him? Well, it's simply this. Look what it says in Luke chapter 24, verse 21. We, these two said, we had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. In other words, they had missed who Jesus is. They had reduced who the Messiah was. Because the Messiah was the liberator that God would send to rescue people from their sin but they began to reduce it down to a political problem. They thought that Jesus was going to rescue them, the Jewish people, underneath the Roman rule uh, from that worldly power, that political power. And what happens here is they had reduced him down. So God hid him from them. So when they did recognize him, after he goes through the scriptures, he disappears. The Bible said suddenly their eyes were open and they recognized him. And at that moment, he, he disappeared. They had reduced the Messiah down. Not only them, but everybody else too, to a political problem solver. And I wonder how many times we reduce Jesus down to a problem solver. To just solve our worldly problems. When he never stated that he came to just be a political problem solver. 
He never stated he came just to heal our physical illness. He never stated he came so that we could have a long life, you know, here on earth and everything be hunky-dory and a bed of roses and we get chocolates every morning when we wake up. He never stated that. But culturally, we'll take the God of the Bible and we'll reduce him down and put him in our our little uh, faith box and we'll begin to make him something that he never said he was. And when he don't show up and do what we think he should do or you know what we think it should say, then we'll begin to walk away from God. I wonder how many people have walked away from God because their faith was so little that they put God in their circumstance. See, (laughs) these people lived in a real circumstance. They lived in a real uh, oppression underneath the Roman rule. God had said he was going to send a liberator to, to set them free. But what they understood as freedom was freedom from a political party, not freedom from their sin, from missing the mark of God's glorious standard. God's glorious standard is this, that he provides for you, that he gives you everything you need in life. He had a perfect, palatial garden set up. It's called the Garden of Eden. He was in right relationship with the first man and the, and the first woman with all the provision they would ever need. They would never need anything in life. They, would, they could be in communion with him. He gave them all the trees. He gave them the garden. He, he actually gave them dominion over the earth. And he told them to subdue every single thing in the earth to look after it and control it. However, they let a serpent control them. And from that point forward, human beings have missed the mark. Instead of subduing the earth, we let the earth take over us. And God says, you know what, in that very moment, and we talked about it last weekend, he told the enemy who entered the serpent, You will strike his heel, but I will crush your head. And you need to understand why Jesus came to die on a cross. It was simply to do what God said in Genesis 3.15. And a lot of times we get in this culture here in 2016 and we reduce Jesus down to just a, you know, to, to to our circumstance and our problem. And I'm not saying, the Bible says he cares about everything, every one of your needs. But a lot of times we belittle him down and we miss the God of the Bible, the God of the scriptures. And this is what these people had done. So did you get what it said? Jesus went back into the scriptures all the way to Moses and through all the writings of the prophets and explained what God said about this liberator. And see, I know what the bumper sticker says. I know what the t-shirt says. I know what culture says. But the Bible says that Jesus 
is the Messiah that liberates people from their sin. And so I do believe the reason God hid himself in this moment, it was so that they could reveal their heart and understand where they were so Jesus could begin to talk to them through the scriptures to point them to where they could be. See, God will always meet you where you are, but you've got to understand where you are. And when he meets you where you are, then he will point you towards who he is. The scriptures define clearly who God is and what he wants to do in humanity and in your personal life. And the Bible says this in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says it this in the New Testament. It says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this cosmos. This world, it says, but let God transform you into a new person by, by changing the way you think. It says, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Better yet, I, I wonder how many don't believe today that Jesus is the Messiah because we make him into something he never declared to be. I wonder how many people don't respond to the God of the universe because many of the voices in this cosmos, in this world, have reduced him down to something he never said he was. My friend, this Bible is the written word of God. It is alive. It is. It can transform you. But you have to renew your mind with what it says. Because that is what God has said. And what God has said, God will do. So many people are looking for God to speak to them you know, about their toenail. I'm just using that for an example. When God has already spoke to you about your life, it's interesting to me because God does care about every one of our needs. But we've got to put our God not in our, our the, 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 the mindset that we have in our head We've got to allow him to tell us who we are so we don't just see him with our physical eyes like they did, but we begin to to see him with the core of who we are, our heart, and begin to live it out in life. See, See, maybe, just maybe, the Jesus that you have in your head needs to disappear so the Jesus of the Bible can come in and change your life. And change your heart. Let your Jesus disappear. A misinterpretation of God can make us walk away from God. Sad, discouraged, and disappointed. Exactly like these two followers of Jesus on the road to Emmaus. 
did. The Bible says they were sad. Haven't you heard what happened to our liberator? Haven't you heard? We've reduced him down to a political, a political king. He ain't the, a political king. He ain't running for United States presidency. He is the king of the universe, and he can be the king of your life if you'll receive him for who God says he is. Why would you reduce him down to the election? Oh, my. Listen, listen. The Bible says, you know what? That God holds the king's heart in his hand. And so I don't really, listen, I'm not saying don't go and vote. All right, but you ain't got to be all up in arms because of who's going to win the election and who ain't going to win the election because you know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and he holds the, the king's heart in his hands. He's directing it. Oh, get your hopes up. Get your hopes up. Number two, maybe your Jesus needs to disappear. So I wrote it down this way. So our hearts can burn with passion. So our hearts can burn with passion. See, I believe when we let go of the cultural Jesus, that he comes and changes our heart and we become passionate about what he's passionate about. In other words, he, he gives us a transformation. I didn't say he patches you up. He transforms you. The Bible says into a new creation. The old is come and the new is come. That don't mean you don't struggle with this cosmos and this world that you live in. But you've been transformed and you've you walk to a different drumbeat and you have a different passion. Luke 24, verse 32. After he spoke with them and disappeared, they said to each other, man, didn't our hearts burn within us when he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? Didn't our hearts burn within us? When he explained the scriptures to us. See, this is the challenge. Is a lot of times we read the scriptures as it's a novel and, and we, we read it sometimes as, as, and we make it say what we want it to say. But, but when we truly get the angle that God had the writer to write the scriptures and who the scriptures are really about, it changes everything because then the lights come on and we begin to get the proper perspective of who Jesus is and we let go of who the world said Jesus is and everything in us begins to change. The New Testament writers said it this way. I no longer belong to this world. My citizenship isn't here. It's there. Colossians 3, 2. 
the writer said to the city of Colossae, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Man, that's hard to do, isn't it? When you see stuff here, but you read what God's going to do there. And there's a struggle. And you know what it takes? It's this substance called faith. And faith isn't something that you see. Faith is something you hope for with full confidence because you believe the one who has said it. And I'm glad you believe in the resurrection. I'm glad you believe Jesus died on a cross and forgave your sin. But don't miss the rest of the story. Because if you do, hope will be sucked out of you in this world, in this cosmos, where the prince of this world will begin to come after you. And he's coming after you. And he's coming after me. But I can get my hopes up because of what God has revealed to one of the New Testament writers of about what is still yet to come. Get your hopes up. I know today it's difficult. I know we need one another to do this journey called life. I need you and you need me. The Bible says we're to encourage one another. But my friend, I can't deposit hope that is out of this world in you. You have to hope. I'm going to sharpen you. I'm going to let you sharpen me. And I am hoping for so much more than this earth offers. I can cut my grass. I like it perfect. And I don't even cut it anymore. I pay a man to cut it. Costs more for the gas and the lawn more than it does for him to cut the grass. Being real. It's not because I don't like to work in the yard. I do that. I love it. But when I cut my grass or he cuts my grass, it's perfect for a minute. And then it grows back. And I have to cut it again. And I have to cut it again. I like not to have an extra 50 pounds on my body. I like it. However, you know what? It'll come right back. If I don't stay focused. Listen. In this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble. But take heart, he says, because I have overcome the world.
And maybe this is the glimpse you need to get this weekend. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 6. Let me read it to you. A lot of people are scared of the book of Revelation. Are you kidding me? Let me tell you something. There's a lot of speculation about the book of Revelation. There's, it's a prophecy, but let me be clear today. It ain't nothing to be scared of. It's hope. Because many people make it into the revelation of end time here on this earth, but really it's the revelation of a risen Jesus who reigns as the king of the world. And if your heart clings to that, my friend, it's like, come Lord Jesus, come. Because when you get a glimpse of this, I don't care what big fancy house you live in, how boofed up your hair is, and how awesome life is today. When you get a look at this, a glimpse of this, it changes everything. It changes everything. Listen to what it says. The writer says, John, then I saw Revelation 21 verse 6. This is beautiful. This should bring you some encouragement today. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. They weren't any bad drivers out on US 17. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. There were no more politics. And all, and the sea was also gone. Some of you said, man, I like fishing. Don't worry. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for a husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. I know you'd like for Jesus to be here today, but he ain't. But he's coming back. Look what the Bible says. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death. Come on. Or sorrow. Or crying. Or sciatica. Come on. You don't know what that is. That's back pain and leg pain. When you get nearly 50, you'll start maybe feeling it if you've been knocked around like I have. (laughs) All of these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, look. I am making all things new. I am making everything new. And then he said to me, hey, writer, John, write this down. For what I tell you is trustworthy and as true as the resurrection you experienced back yonder at the cross and the grave. And he says, and he also said, it is finished. See, see, 
Most people today are looking for this Greek word called tetelestai. It is a finish and great. Jesus paid in full. That's what the Greek word means. When you read where Jesus breathed his last breath on the cross, <gasps> sucked it in and said uh, to tell us that it is finished. That means, you know what? It has been paid in full. It's an accounting term that means sin has been paid for in full. That's good news. However, 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 if I was going to put a tattoo on my arm, it would be this one right here because the truth of the matter is it is finished and what he's referring to here and it is finished is you know what he has put in the authority of satan go back and read revelation the previous verse he's done put him under his feet he has done cast him into the pit he is coming to live among his people and he says i have taken back the full dominion and you are appointed to be my servant in my kingdom and it's awesome because because we have dominion over this new earth and this new place and we have new bodies. Get your hopes up. Some of y'all ain't never heard nothing like this. That's why you walked in here sad. I get mad about the same things you get mad. I got mad this morning in the lobby because they didn't put a light in the right place and they didn't point things to people or things that people need. Ticks me off because I got stuff out there we pay for for people to put in their hands so they can become part of the life of the church. You didn't know it was that radical to set stuff up every week for you, did you? (laughs) Who do you think scrubs the toilets? I don't know why I'm off on that, but I get upset too. (laughs) But they don't, none of it steal my hope. My hopes are higher than the bathroom, the thing. And so, you know what? I'm going to fuss just like you're going to fuss. But my hope ain't in whether you got that piece of paper or not. My hope is in the finished work of Christ on a cross and that he's coming back and making all things new. That's the kingdom I belong to. I believe some of our cultural Jesus needs to disappear, and I wrote it down this way, so we can go show and tell that he rules and reigns. Well, the Bible says, Luke 24, verses, verse 33, and within the hour, within the hour, they walked seven miles from here to Longs, maybe halfway to Loris. They had walked, and within the hour, after they heard this, and The Jesus that was revealed to them from the scriptures, the Bible says they were on their way back to Jerusalem to share. To share with those who had said he was alive, but they didn't believe it. To share, oh, yeah, he's alive. Because he come and he saw us and then he disappeared. He's alive. And They go and they share this news. What's interesting, I may get into this a little bit next week. But after the Bible says, after Jesus revealed that he was alive to so many. In Acts chapter 1, I believe it's verse 3. 
The Bible says he revealed that he was alive to so many. And he shared with them about the kingdom of God. A resurrected Jesus before he ascends in the 40 days before he goes and sits on his throne. My friend, he ain't here no more. Okay? He ain't here no more. I understand Jesus lives in your heart. I I get all that. But he ain't here. Because when he comes next time, he's coming as ruler and reigner of this universe, is what my Bible says. Okay? Of this cosmos, of this world, of your life and my life and everything in it. The Bible even says that the rocks of the ground grown out for when this day is going to happen because they have been affected by this thing called sin. And and what happens a lot of times, we, we reduce Jesus down and we want him to, to just solve a problem in this world and it's awesome. Nobody wants to hurt and nobody wants to be pain. But take heart, my friend. He has overcome the world and it ain't over until he says it is over. And the reason you are here is to share this good news with other people who don't know it to show that your hope is in a resurrected Jesus and to begin to declare that he rules and reigns over everything. The Bible says every knee will bow and declare that he is Lord. I'm not belittling your problem. I've got them too. We all do. Because we live in a world that's full of sin missing the mark of God's glorious standard. And Jesus was a good teacher. And he was a prophet. And if we listen to his teachings, life on this earth can be a little bit easier than we currently are under that were subdued under. This is part of it. Example. The Bible, Jesus clearly said, don't be a glutton. Listen. I mean, that's what it says. Why would it say that? Because it knows, and it's referring, I believe, clearly to food. It knows if you overeat, you're going to be miserable. And you're going to clock out a little bit early. You're going to have health issues. And so that's a good teaching, ain't it? I know it's hard to do, but it's a good teaching. And so if we're following his teachings, life can be better here on earth. However, you need to understand something as best as it gets. What is still yet to come is more than you can imagine or ever hope for in this life. Get your hopes up. Get it out of this world and into the one who rules and reigns over the world. Let me pray for you. God, I pray we'd be model kingdom citizens. And God, I know that there's hurts and there's pains and there's aches and there's persecution. and God, there's relational challenges and pressures and we all have them. And God, we all fall short of hoping during those pressured times. But God, I pray today that we would get a fresh glimpse of a risen Savior named Jesus, a King that sits on His throne that's going to come back and make all things new. A new heaven, a new earth. Give us new bodies. God, that's what Your Word says. 
And God, if there's a person today that don't have the faith to believe, I pray that they would just take a small amount of the faith, God, that you've given them. And they would begin to believe your word, your Bible, over what they've experienced. God, I know it's tough. I know it's hard. And God, we're here to encourage one another, motivate one another on towards the good things here in this life as we look to the day of our Lord reappearing, as your word says. But God, I must declare that we can encourage one another, but we can't solve and fix each other's problems always. God, you can save us from our sin so that we can have life here on earth and eternal life with you in your kingdom. Jesus, thank you. God, thank you for declaring what you was going to do in Genesis chapter 3. And thank you for sharing with us that the Messiah would suffer all throughout the scriptures. Thank you for the prophet Isaiah who clearly defined the Messiah would suffer. And God, I thank you that suffering didn't keep him in the ground. That your power resurrected him from the grave. And God, I pray today that the people here would live by that same power. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap today.